You know, a part of being in organizational development and HR is to initiate the conversations that most organizations and people inside organizations uh, don't want to have. Uh, they bristle, it becomes a, a, a cringeworthy moment. Well, today for Joyce and I, we take on the topic of DEI initiatives and why, in our opinion, uh, not only is this difficult to talk about, but it's even more difficult to make the effective actions, uh, changes the process that ultimately make the difference. So let's jump in. Come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Okay. <laughs> Come on in, grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> grab a coffee. My coffee cup's empty. Don't say that. Eat the leftovers from the Super Bowl. <laughs> Nothing oh, like a cold pizza pizza for breakfast. <laughs> um, so in thinking about getting together this morning, I had a couple of topics that I felt hesitant to, thoughts that I felt hesitant to bring up because I wasn't sure what I felt or thought, but I, I've i been having a thought about DE&I stuff because I've worked with two, um, three black women who've had that role, and one knew how to expand the role. It had more... Had more uh, functions reporting to her than that and the other began to feel like the poster child like come talk to us about being black yeah. uh, words can we say and can't say um, and and I've gone to quite a few seminars webinars on the topic and what most the women that were at the, and the head of it were black women and they Essentially, the summary was the conversation has started. The uncomfortable conversation has started. What we don't see is the commitment to action. That there's a, there may even be a commitment, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, this, this could be a three-minute uh, podcast because I think what you just said is at the heart of uh, diversity uh, initiatives that work. The training is easy. You know, you could do a two-part training program. You can bring everyone in, talk to them for two hours about the business case. But taking action is where the change happens. And so it's, it's, it's not a one and done. It is a long-term commitment uh, to, to bring out the best of everyone. Yeah, and that and and that the principles yeah. need to be embedded. And that it's not for any one minority. I mean, I'm a woman and I'm a blue collar kid. I'm highly sensitive to um people with college degrees. Even yeah. though I have two. Yeah. I do not, I mean, so that part of the something I did at Hannaford was take out 
the educational criteria for a while of on a job application and just do the skills. Because I had a blue collar dad who was wildly talented. It's probably why I went into OD, who stayed underpaid, underutilized, um, and would not betray his union buddies to go into management. So, you know, um, we did we did a podcast a few episodes ago, and uh, I had kind of a cringeworthy moment. Um, and let me explain. When you shared, you know, diversity isn't only about issues of race. Um, my cringeworthy moment was, you know, if if I'm in a room full of African Americans uh, who don't feel uh, that they're bringing their full selves to work. They may argue with that. Um, you, you're wondering where the heck am I going with this? No, I think, okay. Yeah. Don't tell me what to think. Yeah. Um, so I, I, after having thought about it, uh, you went through the one up, one down uh, exercise. Yeah. yeah. You know, all of us, by the labels that others put on us, by the labels we put on ourselves, uh, we we play into that at some way, whether it's our gender, our education, our race. So, um, yeah, you got to make it focused on what does this company need right now to become more inclusive. Uh, but it, it it really has to include everyone. We all feel one down at some point or time. I do want to say I know a couple of egocentric executives who participated in that discussion who felt they were not they'd never been one down and they were very well educated white men and I about fainted I mean it took my breath away <laughs> I had to really think, well, well <laughs> you know there there's the one tenth of one percent yes uh, and I'm saying though you can smell it in behavior anyway but anyhow, um, so uh, we've been churning around with this whole idea. And, and also, you know, I have a biracial granddaughter. Yeah. And I go to an all-black church or a, an African-American Methodist Episcopal long title church. What does that mean? And I grew up in Gary, Indiana, where the black to white ratio was pretty even. And yet I keep coming back to it to create diversity across a large company. I keep thinking the head of diversity and inclusion should be, and I don't know how you could find the person <laughs> who's more neutral than um, the company. Whatever the makeup of the company is, I want to bring in someone else to do, to facilitate and demand and notice the differences. And, and one of the things might be to work on race relations. One might be um, upgrading of blue-collar men. Another might be uh, the role of women in the supermarket. I don't know. It just keeps coming up in my head. And I don't We're, know what to do with it because it feels forbidden to say. It really does. I mean, it's like that cringeworthy moment. Uh, it it's. Uh, I think that's an interesting perspective. I think it has merits. 
um, you look at yourself, you were identified as the person leading the diversity initiative at Hannaford years ago, and right. you're the blue, you're the blue collar white, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a woman executive. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you where my cringe, uh, kind of use that word five times. Well, because I'm still cringing. And the, the cringe factor that we're sharing shows it's uncomfortable to talk about this. Yeah. And so people are having uncomfortable conversations. So so can we. So I'll, I'll just say it. Um, one of the most effective uh, diversity leaders that I've worked with is African-American and uh, hopefully will be joining us in another week or so. And he was incredible uh, in terms of the, the change uh, that he committed to and then did for Foodline at the time. Um, to think about putting someone in who would be neutral, in some respects, seems like you're you're kind of uh, either reinforcing people that yes. may see African American. I don't know. It's 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 tough. Um, you know. Well, no, I think probably. If if race is the primary flaw, yeah, in an equally diverse company, then a, a black leader is a bonus. So yes. under that black leader, <laughs> how do you find someone who's the most you know reporting to the most capable? Yeah. Of working with all differences because see my basic premise is like from what's his name a.o wilson or something that wrote about ants and diversity <laughs> the system get is get stronger with the more differences that are allowed that's why in organizational development when you focus more on the how you try to get the mo the mo the, the impacted voices in the room to create not to solve a problem to create a vision for how it could be i mean i think that's just the definition so i'm yeah. coming from a baby point of view and now talking out loud i think the practitioner of the facilitation of true equality does need to be able to be neutral and also that if you're a black person, I, and I, as a woman too, I didn't want to lose my advocate position. Yeah. You know, we need the advocacy, but I'm talking about how do you get, I don't know, help. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just kneeling. Well, so, so if I think uh, we, uh, a while back did, uh, a couple of shows. We did a series on the OD competency framework. Yes. You remember that? Yes. Uh, hey, I'm incompetent. <laughs> system change expert, efficient designer, business advisor, credible strategist, uh, and informed consultant. Tell me you're uh, reading that. I, I, I am reading it. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, but my point yeah. being is, wouldn't that be a wonderful criteria to select uh, the head of uh, diversity in an organization? 
Well, yeah, and I and as as we talked, I said, and it doesn't really matter about color or race or yes. orientation. And I, I personally want that leader to have a team or a person that has those qualities that can yes. go about with neutrality of uh, orientation mm -hmm. to grow the really to grow and use differences, and that's separate from reparation or punishment or needing a louder voice, needing a megaphone to be heard, that's different work. And I so, think that, that helps my head. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift a little bit. We've been talking about uh, someone who leads diversity. I'd like to look at the leaders, so the CEO and their role and how they play into creating that inclusion that you just spoke about. I mean, can you think of one of the C many CEOs that you worked with that probably were raw models and did it extremely well without mentioning names? Yeah, I think here's the quality where it worked the best was quiet, unshakable demand for change. Yes. And when I say quiet, I mean, it was just do this, do this. Uh, one of the most inspirational CEOs I worked with worked at CMP in Maine, and he was dedicated to race relations. Yeah. He grew, you know, grew up in Chicago, uh, and I knew that I was to go find black candidates to work at CMP, but he didn't announce it. Yeah. he did, and, and therefore, there was no resistance. Yeah. I knew, I mean, he told me what I had to do, and I had to do it, and I knew it, and I knew that it was not foolish, that it was good work to do, and it meant I had to be creative, and uh, in Maine, wow, I did... Uh, the black pool of resources wasn't grand and it could be done and I did it. And I won't mm -hmm. even I won't even tell what those numbers are or anything. He just quietly took me aside and said, here's a big here's where I here's what's gonna be needed from you this year. Do this. Yeah. And and so uh again focusing on the CEO or leader, uh that quiet, unshakable uh, demand to seek change. Without that, uh, I think it's hard for anyone who comes in as a diversity voice uh, to too. get it done, you know, because, you know, there's going to be resistance. You talked a, a, a couple episodes back about tolerance for the irritation of differences. I, I think that was a, a great phrase uh, that there's going to be resistance. Um and, you know, resistance can be a gift. It, it kind of shares uh, some insight about where you may want to buy more. But if you have a CEO who says, 
you know, in a very quiet way, we're going to change the company and we're going to include, we're going to do this. Um, Yeah, there may be resistance, but it's like, okay, you're a choice now. You know, you're either signing up for this as a way you want to be and lead in this company or not. I know that's an old top-down model, but I think it's still. No, 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 no. You need that demand and that commitment. And I, that's where I have seen diversity flourish. Yeah. <laughs> and become um, not, um, I don't know how I can't find the word, not shallow, but deep yeah. change in um, how we view one another. This is not easy, is it? No, no. Not easy, but necessary for sure. Huh. We're close to time. Are, are, yeah, you think you know, I have something pithy to say? No, um, no. You, you. Hey, this isn't about landing the planes. You said okay, that good. so eloquently. Um, I, I hope out of our conversation, it, it encourages others to have the same conversation uh, about their organization, the needs of that organization, who are the voices leading this, uh, where is there an absence of people being appreciated, because um, the world needs it more now than ever. I know we say that about a lot of things these days, but it clearly applies here. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm thinking how hard it is to tolerate differences when you are afraid of losing something. And we can come back and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to hold us to that. Okay. So with and that. We have a guest coming. We, we do have a guest coming. Uh, Eric Watson, who's the head of diversity. And I, I failed to, he works for an electric utility out in California. The name escapes me now, but he led diversity uh, initiatives at food line for the better part, I think of 10 plus years. And uh, he's forgotten more than most of us know uh, about uh, how to create that kind of change in an organization. And I think he uniquely as a leader brought out, and solve the differences, the one downs broadly in the organization. Um, so I'm excited to have him come on. Me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, until the next time, everyone. Adios. Adi- We're out of here. You know, next week, Joyce and I are going to go in a little bit deeper into the conversation around DEI. And to do this, we're, we're having a guest, an expert on diversity and inclusion and how to shift organizations. And that's Eric Watson. Eric and I work together closely. Uh, he is the head of diversity and inclusion. Me is the head of HR uh, to ultimately make some changes within Food Lion that I think still are helping contribute to the company's success today. So I hope you'll join us next week. We've got some great questions to ask Eric. So until then, be well and be safe.